What is going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 58 of the Strength Through Vulnerability podcast. Let's get into it. Welcome to another episode. It is so good to be back with all of you. This week, I'm bringing to you an interview with Claire Davis, who's an author, a management consultant, and an Australian who's currently living in the UK, so you can bet your butt that there's going to be a really cool accent on the other side of the microphone in this interview. We talked about a lot of fun stuff. We talked about a little bit of what drove her to doing the work she does now. I said she's a management consultant. She does mental health training, middle management training, leadership training, and a ton more. So we talk about what led her into that field. We talk about her personal experiences with mental health challenges. We talk a lot about her new book, her first book, Emotional Fitness, A to Z for Positive Mental Health. We also talk about action items, tools, takeaways for all of us that we can use to help us with our emotional fitness, which is a term that I really, really like. And we talk quite a bit about it in this interview, which is coming at you right now. Claire, it is so good to be talking to you again today. How are you doing? I'm well, thanks, Tommy. How are you? I'm doing so well. I'm doing so well. For those listeners out there who maybe don't know, I'm a financial analyst by day and uh, Claire was nice enough to speak with me during my lunch break, which is a really nice way for me to escape from numbers for a little bit. So very appreciative. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Claire, could you start off by sharing with the listeners, first of all, where you're from? They'll probably hear that maybe you're not from America, and also some of the work you do. What is it that you do? Yeah, so I'm actually, you, you'll get a bit confused because I live in the UK. I live in a city called Bristol in the UK, but you might have already worked out that my accent is not from the UK. My <laughs> accent is from Australia. I was born and I grew up in Australia. Sydney and I was very very lucky to do the two-year working holiday visa over in the UK and I met a guy from Bristol so we moved from London to Bristol to have a family and bring up a family yeah yeah. I I, I love living in the UK I miss Australia but I do love living in the UK Mm. yeah that's so good yeah yes do you mind sharing what it is that you do you do some really interesting work i would love for you to elaborate for the listeners yeah i'm really passionate about my work actually i work in both schools and businesses um to help staff and students and the middle managers in schools with positive mental health Mm -hmm. so i've been training for over 20 years i was a teacher before i got into um the corporate world I became a middle manager very, very quickly um, in the corporate world. And what I um, found when I was a middle manager was that you are really, really squeezed as a middle manager. And so often we become middle managers because we're, we're great at our roles. We're never really as middle managers shown how to manage people and look after people. Mm. So when I got into training, I started my own business after a few years of training in London. And I worked out that the the bit that was really missing was helping middle managers with their communication skills. So I've done a lot of CPD development work on my own training on communication skills, helping middle managers with giving feedback, etc. And over the last few years, I 
found that every course that I was training in, in both schools and in corporates, people were saying, well, what about our mental health? What about our mental health? So I retrained through Mental Health First Aid England and NUCO training to deliver Mental Health First Aid training. And yeah, what I love about the work that I do is that um, most of the companies or the schools that work with me, I'm very creative and I write most of my courses and most of them say, will you write a course for this? Or will you write a course for that? And what I found was missing from the um, qualifications for mental health first aid was really working out how to spot the signs of mental health concerns, then having that conversation about mental health concerns in the workplace, but then the, pre the preventative measures. So a lot of my courses and keynotes are based on this. And um, back in March, you know, we had lockdown. Um, we all know what's happened to the world. <laughs> and um, I've, I've really developed my work since then to really help people. And one thing that I'm really passionate about is opening up the conversation about mental health and people to understand mental health concerns more. Mm. So a friend of mine from Australia, who I went to university with, um, he did did it happen in the US, the 25-day challenge of 25 push-ups a day for 25 days mm. um, on Facebook? Did you know about that or not? I didn't know about it, but I might have seen you post about it. Yeah, so he did, he did that. But what he did and it was to raise awareness for anxiety and depression. Mm. But what he did, it was really clever, was he started talking about mental health concerns and statistics so I contacted him and I said, you know, this is the work I do. We've got to open up the conversation a bit more. So he basically said to, to me, we had a Zoom call. We had a bit of a chat. And he said, I've got a surprise for you, Claire. And we did a 10 minutes on Facebook Live on what mental health first aid was and how to pe help people in the workplace. Then all these people started asking questions. So we did a couple more. Um, answering their questions and from there I've started a YouTube channel called Mental Health Chats where I interview people from all over the world about different mental health concerns to help other people. That's developed into a podcast. What's come of the Mental Health Chats YouTube and podcast which is really interesting is everyone I interview says early intervention is so important. People need to look after themselves. We can't fix them. So um, with my work in companies and in schools, the big part of my work is the preventative measures. What can we do for positive mental health, the emotional fitness? Mm. So I've had this idea in my head for ages to write a book. We've all got a book in us. Mm. And I sort of had lots of ideas on paper. So what I decided to do, I've written a book and it's a very practical book. Um, it's not your usual stuffy theoretical book. It's an activity book because so many people, I've got teenage children and so many of their friends say, we want to look after our mental health, but we don't know how. Mm. So this book is activity-based. It's called Emotional Fitness, A to Z for Positive Mental Health. It's activity-based. It's to help people bring positive mental health into their lives every day. 
And um, what I'm loving is the responses from all age groups in schools and in the workplace. And I'm giving loads of keynotes on positive mental health. What can we do to help people bring emotional fitness into their lives every day? It's so powerful. We need to retrain our brain, get it into positive mode. Mm -hmm. That's so good. You said a lot of really important and, and very interesting stuff right there. And one thing that caught my attention was you mentioned how we need to open up or start opening up that conversation about mental health. And that seemed to certainly vibe with the folks that you spoke to in the school systems and at different organizations. When you say that, are you more so talking about these organizations and the schools need to be talking about mental health more openly as a whole? And or are you referring to, if we're looking at a middle manager, for example, the middle manager stepping in and talking to maybe one of their subordinates about their mental health? Are you kind of doing a little bit of both there? Yeah, yeah, very good point. I am doing a little bit of both because the interesting Mm. thing is if somebody has time off work, now this is at school or in the work environment, Mm -hmm. um, in in organisations, if somebody has time off work because they've broken their leg, Mm. what do we all say on a Monday morning when they come back? Oh, Mm. how did you break your leg? Oh, that's interesting. Chat, 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 chat. Let's think about the opposite. Another scenario. If somebody has time off work because of depression, Mm. They come back after a few weeks. What do we all do? Mm. We avoid them. We don't talk about it. And it's Mm. what's on their mind. So if we can open up the conversations um, in schools, you know, teachers are squeezed. Middle managers are squeezed. There's so much pressure. There's so much. If you look up on the internet, um, middle managers and mental health, it's all about how middle managers can help other people. If you look up on the internet about teachers and mental health, it's how they can help their their pupils, which is great. We need to be helping students. But what about everybody? We need to lead by example. And if we can help everybody, and everybody, we've all been on this, I call it the corona coaster this year. It's roller coaster up and down. Now, emotional fitness is like physical fitness. We work on our physical fitness through healthy eating and exercise so that we don't get health conditions. So what we should try to be aiming to do is realize our emotions can be up and down. If we can work on our emotional fitness every day just for five to ten minutes so our emotions are more even, it's going to be so beneficial. So the activities are, I give examples of the science in the book, I give examples of what you can do in your everyday life. And then there are activities so people can dip in and out of the book and work on their emotional fitness every day. It's like a journal. There's lovely, it's beautifully illustrated by a company here in Bristol. So people can colour it in. There's loads of room for drawing, but there's activities to actually do. And you dip in and out of it, you can date it and bring these activities in your life to train our brain positive mental health. Mm. I I love that. Whenever you can tie story into tangible activities that somebody can do, it benefits all the more. And one thing that I really love about it is that it really, 
it produces empowerment, right? Like the message that you're sharing right now on the show and through all the work that you're doing is that, Hey, like you're not just, you're not stuck. There are things you can do to get better. You can improve. You're not stuck in this depression. You're not stuck in this cycle of anxiety, whatever it is. And that's really important for people to know. And I'm sure, you know, I'm not sure what challenges you faced in terms of your own mental health. But for me, there were definitely moments where it felt like, ah, this is never going to get better. There's no hope. And I think that's unfortunately how a lot of people feel. And we all have. We've all had challenges throughout our lives. And, you know, there are times where we felt like, especially this year, is there ever going to be an end? You know, Mm. I had a few years um, where, you know, I'd had quite a lovely, lovely life. Um, I hadn't had a huge trauma. Now, I say I had a lovely life. I had a very demanding father who was very ambitious, was one of seven children, grew up in Sydney on a small holding, six acres. My, my father was very ambitious, um, so seven children. When, he, um, when they had, my parents had their fourth child, my father had a pharmacy full-time, and he decided to go back to university and study medicine. And then my mother was pregnant with their seventh child (laughs) at his graduation. So they had seven children in 10 years. We had to get up every morning before school and do the chores on small holding. Um, We were, he was very, very demanding. And then he had his GP practice. And at the age of 13, I used to go and be his receptionist after school. So we grew up with a good work ethic, working Mm. hard. However, I had never had a trauma. And then back in 2007, um, my brother died suddenly of a brain tumour. Now, that was the biggest shock to my life. I was living here in the UK. My family were on the other side of the world. I had two small children. So the next trauma for me was I shipped my family all the way over to Australia, which was, it was a loss. I loved my life here. I was pregnant with my third child. We got there, I had my third child, and a few months later, our house burnt down. Another huge trauma. We finally got everything from Australia there. Our house burnt down. A week later, my young four-year-old son got lost on a 100-acre property for five hours. That was a huge trauma. You know, I can cope with a house burning down and moving to the other side of the world. Can't cope with losing my son, who was found safe. Then a week later... I had a cancerous melanoma taken from my leg and I had to have a major operation. Then I fell pregnant with my fourth child, which some people's a huge trauma, but you know, for me, I was lucky, but I was on an emotional roller coaster. And then my father died suddenly. Wow. And, you know, we went through a lot. And what I worked out from that is that experience is we came back to the UK We didn't feel like it was home there, nothing personal. Mm. We just didn't feel like it was home. And we we did feel like we were were lost. You know, we were lost emotionally and we needed to work on our emotions. So I have always been a positive person. And I realised that for my emotional fitness, I had to work on my emotions. Mm. We can't just expect to be positive all the time. And people go through lots of different things in their life. And grief is really hard. Losses are really hard. 
loads of things are really hard, but it's how can we be proactive with our emotional fitness to help ourselves? And you know, this year's a great example. I've had not too many down days, mm. not too many. I've That's probably good. had about five. I can count them on one hand, but mm. I know what I need to do. I spot the signs now mm. and I do something about it. Whereas 10, 15 years ago, I didn't know what to do. And that's because I've been working on it. So we need to take control. We really do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what's, what's really interesting too. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for sharing all of those traumas, that roller coaster ride that you've been on. And uh, you know, your vulnerability means a lot to me. Um, Your, your decision to share all that stuff on this platform. And it also, is very cool because what what I love about stories is that especially the more specific you get, um, the more people can find a way to plug themselves into that story. You mm-hmm. shared everybody has their own kind of roller coaster ride, and so as you're sharing all of these wild, traumatic, scary things that have happened, sad things that have happened in your life, um, anybody out there listening can plug themselves in and be like, okay, maybe it wasn't your father dying. Maybe it wasn't losing your son, but it was something else, right? There's always something. Um, so I want to thank you for sharing all that because I think that's, it's huge, um, for people to be put in your shoes and realize like, Hey, they're not alone in this roller coaster thing. Um, and then also the methods in which we, really build up our emotional strength, our emotional awareness is different for so many different people as well, right? Um, We need to be aware of the importance, but there are so many different ways we can do it. I was listening. I joke about it at this point. I mentioned Brene Brown in like every single podcast episode that I do. Um, But I was reading one of her books yesterday and she was like talking about getting ready for this book tour. And she really wanted to work on her emotional fitness like you've been talking about. Because she knows that when she's on a book tour for three months, she misses her family. When she gets tired, she feels, I don't know if she used the word depressed, but down. Um, So she was like, there's a few things I know I need to do. One is stick to my diet. Two is get out and walk. Three is make sure I hit the gym. And then four was make sure that you get enough sleep. Yep. Really simple things that a lot of us actually aren't really good at. But what I loved about that was like, any one of us can take up those, those activities, take up those practices and all the stuff that you talk about in your book, I'm sure we can pick up as well. It's funny how usually it's not these really intricate things that you wouldn't have ever think of. It's a lot of times the simple stuff that's just hard to really nail down sometimes. Definitely. And it's the things we forget to do. Mm. That's the other thing because we live in this, on this treadmill, it's a huge treadmill. And I think we, we as human beings have almost forgotten how to relax and how to have me time and how to look after ourselves. You know, back in the old days when I was young, um, as my kids say, you know, we did things like crafts, crocheting, knitting, mm. talking to our neighbours over the fence. One of the most amazing things about lockdown for me was the fact that every day I saw my neighbours over the fence and we chatted and chatted and chatted. Mm. That was the first lockdown, not this one because it was cold um, <laughs> now. But, you know, it's, it's those little things. It's the top-ups. It's the me time. 
And that's why I have written the book in such a simple format mm. because we don't need to get into all the interest, intricacies of theory. Mm. It's all the simple things. Yes, I refer to science, but it's the simple things. If we can be topping ourselves up every day and understanding what triggers our happy hormones, what triggers us to be positive, that's going to be helping us. Absolutely. And then at the end of the day, we have to be our own agents of change too, right? Like I, I think a lot of times we know what to do, but then we still don't do it. And I think, there's, yeah, I think there's probably some hard work that needs to be done there. Like maybe we need to dive into really thinking about why aren't we doing these things that we know will make us feel better. I know that's, you know, to this day, there are days where I don't always do the things that I know will make me feel better. Um, so that's super important, but to be able to be equipped with some really simple, um, powerful tools and activities is, is really, really great. Um, and you talked about before, and you just mentioned it again too, is the like signs and symptoms, like being able to see or spot that somebody's going through something in with their yeah. mental health. Um, that is an entire podcast of its own for sure. I, I also would love to touch on it for just a couple minutes too, because I think it's it's really powerful because all of us, whether we're a middle manager or we're just a sibling, not just a sibling, sibling's a very important role. <laughs> a sibling, a parent, whatever it is, we we need to be equipped with the tools, the skills to be able to spot these things too, so that as we build our relationships with these people, we can speak into their lives and ask them. What's been going on? Is everything okay? What do you, when you go into schools and organizations, what are some of the things that you tell them uh, for advice to help figure out or help spot if somebody's going through something? It, it's, it's very, very interesting because for any mental health concern, and we, we base it a lot on stress, mm. but it can happen for any mental health concern, we should be spotting the signs there are physical signs of physically what happens to our bodies, behavioural signs of how people behave, and emotional signs. So I'll give you some examples of myself with stress. We'll just use stress as a simple example. So physically, what happens to my body physically is my shoulders get really tense mm. and my hips get tight when mm. I'm stressed. Emotionally, I cry and I yell at my kids. Mm. behaviorally I'm on this whirlwind that my feet do not touch the ground mm. other, different people it's very very different so we go into detail of what happens to different people and then we look at the mental health concerns that have probably occurred in the teams that I'm working with so for an example I was working with an organization on zoom the other day and we were talking about mental health concerns and one of the ones that they were very very concerned about for their team was bipolar somebody mm. had bipolar so we go into let's spot the signs of when they go on the ups and downs physically emotionally behaviorally for somebody else it was self-harm another team for another team it was eating disorders so for every single team it was something different and it's very interesting. So if we can think about physically, emotionally, and behaviorally, what are some of the signs when somebody is on a down, we can do something about it. And what we need to understand is that we are not therapists. Mm. We are not there to 
fix. The person can only fix themselves. Mm. So if the mental health concern has gone quite some time down the track, that person, we need to be able to signpost them to the right therapy for that person. Mm. Now, not all therapies are great for each person. So it's what therapy works for that person. And also we have to understand that sometimes they may need to go to their GP or get medical advice. So we, we need to be very careful if we're mental health first aiders or we're managers or we're teachers in schools because so often what we try to do is we try to fix it. We can't mm. fix it anyone. We can listen. Listening is one of the most important skills. Support, mm. care and signpost. Mm. They have got to be able to help themselves. And that's why my book is designed in the way it is because to help people help themselves. Mm. Man, you that's so good. So important uh, to know that I, I think a lot of people, when they see someone in distress, especially someone that they really care about, it, the immediate reaction is to fix. We want to be the yeah. savior, right? Um, but ultimately you're right. It does. It is in their hands to really make those decisions to go and seek out that professional help or to do those activities that are in your book, whatever it is. But one thing that I think is really important that you highlighted is that there are different signs, whether it be emotionally, behaviorally, or physically for all the different kinds of mental health challenges that are out there. And so I really believe that that speaks to the importance of relationship and into that consistent checking in and consistent, genuine care. Because if you are consistently having conversations with your students, if you're a teacher, um, or the teachers, if you're a principal of a school, or you're a subordinate, if you're a middle manager, whatever it is, that's the way that you're going to be able to spot these things. That's the way that you're going to be able to see if their behaviors change. But you're definitely not going to pick up on that if you're not communicating with them frequently and with care and by genuinely listening as you, as you spoke of. And I think what the power of that too is, as you're building that relationship, as you are witnessing these changes, you have that rapport built. So you can have that conversation because if a manager or a teacher talks to you and says, Oh, you've been acting a little different. Like, is everything okay? But they don't really have your trust yet. You're probably not going to really share any of the stuff that's going on with you. Um, so I, I think you brought up some really important points there. Yeah. And that's why it's really led on to the work that I've done for many years because the work I've done for many years is all about communication. So if we can get the communication right, you know, back in the old days in the 90s, a manager didn't communicate. We didn't care about people's mental health. It was just, they're not coping. So now it's opening up those lines of communication and understanding that, you know, we should be helping people. People can go up and down. So I'll give an example of grief with my brother and my dad. Mm. You know, there were some days, weeks, where I felt great. I felt great. Mm -hmm. And people go, oh, you're coping very well. And, but then you can have these blips and that happens to me even now. And my brother died 13 years ago. Mm -hmm. My dad died 10 years ago and I still have those blips at times. So it's understanding that emotions can go up and down. It's not like fixing a broken leg and mm -hmm. back to the word fix. Why do we try to fix people? Because we care. Mm -hmm. 
because we care, which is lovely. Mm. What we need to understand is in caring, we need to support mm. so that they can help themselves. That's so good, Claire. I, I love so much of what you said and I love the work that you do. It's, it's important work. And the more that we can talk about the importance of discussing these topics and training people to be able to spot these topics, the more that people are going to be able to get the help they need, the more they're going to be educated enough to do activities like from your book that are going to be able to help them without them needing to see professional help, for example. Um, so I'm really grateful for all the work that you're doing. And again, grateful for you coming on the show and sharing a lot about it. I, I've been ending my podcast with a few questions to each person lately, and it's been pretty fun for me. So the first question I would love to ask you is if you were to leave the listeners with one anecdote, one like a mission statement from this podcast, if you want them to walk away with one thing, one message, what would mm -hmm. that be? Wow. Okay. <laughs> I've got hundreds. <laughs> one. And in my book, I've got loads and loads of quotes. Um, my big thing is all about, oh, let me think, working on your emotional fitness every day. Help mm. yourself. Mm. I like Take that a lot. Care of yourself. It's important. That's good. It's a really good one. And Claire, if you could define vulnerability in your own words, well, how would you do that? My own words. Okay, vulnerability is where we're feeling a little bit lost, a little bit maybe even passive, not really knowing how we're feeling and feeling the word paranoid comes to mind where we're just feeling a bit low, where the world could be against us. Mm, I think that's really good. And Claire, the last question for you is totally different. I am a big food guy, so I would love to hear what your favorite food is. <laughs> oh, no, it's changed over the years, many <laughs> times, many times. So let me think. At the moment, I eat a lot of fish. I love salmon. Oh, very nice. Salmon. salmon is great. But I'm going, to, I'm going to make for you one day, Tommy, when you're over here or I'm over your way, mm. my chocolate mud cake. Oh, I'm my I'm famous gosh. for my cakes. I've got a fantastic oven. You may not know them in the US, but they're called Argus, where mm. they keep all the moisture in. Oh, and my chocolate mud cake is famous. Oh my God. Okay. I'm going to hold you to that hundred percent. Cause that sounds very, very good. <laughs> I love it. Thank you for sharing that Claire. And Hey, before I let you go, I would love for you to share where people can find out the work that you do, where they can find you on social media, all that great stuff, right. where they can find your book, everything. Yeah. Okay, so if you go to my website, it is Nova Associates, N-O-V-A Associates.co.uk. There's a page on mental health book. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, Claire Davis. That's the no frills, no I in Claire, no E in Davis. Um, I'm on Instagram, Claire Davis Mental Health Chats. I've got my YouTube channel, which is called Mental Health Chats. And my podcast is called Mental Health Chats as well. I'm on Twitter, it's called Chats Health, and um, Facebook, Mental Health Chats as well. 
Awesome. Fantastic. I will make sure I put all of those links in the show notes. And again, Claire, I'm so... Can I say one more thing about the book? Please. Available on Amazon. And it is called Emotional Fitness A to Z for Positive Mental Health. That's if you can't find it on my website. I should have said that. I do apologize. So it's Emotional Fitness A to Z for Positive Mental Health on Amazon. Fantastic. I love it. I'm glad that you said that and clarified that. Um, and yeah, I just want to say thank you again for coming on the show, sharing your wisdom, pieces of your story. It really means a lot to me and I'm sure it does to the listeners too. Thank you so much for having me, Tommy. It's been really great to be a guest. Thank you. Thank you, Claire. Take care. Thank you all so much for listening to this podcast. You know, it means so much to me that people are willing to and want to spend their time listening to me and whoever's on the other end of the mic. This week it was Claire Davis and she rocked it. She was so much fun to talk to. She's doing some incredible work. Her book is awesome. I highly recommend that. You know, it's Christmas time. Let's you can get that book and you can help support loved ones in their emotional fitness, their emotional and their mental health. It provides, she, we talked about it on the show, but it goes A to Z and provides for each letter in the alphabet something that we can do to help our emotional fitness, our emotional and mental health. So I can't think of a better time to pick up a resource like this when we're living in a pandemic. So many people are struggling with their mental health. Suicide rates are going through the roof. There was a a child from a local high school who committed suicide recently. And, you know, so it's it's getting close to home, I think, for all of us. And it's it's scary and it's it's not fun. So we need to talk about it more. We need to support those around us more. And one way you can do that is by also supporting Claire. Snag a copy of her book. Um, if you're looking for a way to support this podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts. You can leave a five-star review. And send me a screenshot of you leaving that review. I, I want to know who's leaving ratings. I want to be able to connect with you. That's one of the best parts about hosting this podcast is connecting with you all. You can also share this on social media, share with your friends and family, tag Strength Through Vulnerability on Instagram or Facebook, wherever you're sharing it. So again, I can connect with you. I'm just so grateful for you listening. When when I go and look at the analytics and I see the people listening, I, I imagine that every single one of those people listening is an actual person who's intently listening because they want to better themselves and because they care. It just fills my heart. So thank you so much for doing all that you do. Thank you for your support. And please know that I support you so much. You guys, you girls are all amazing. You are loved and you are good right now as you are. And if you're struggling, things can be better. We need hope. And there is hope. You all have an amazing weekend and take care. Bye now.